This is Khalid Ali, the screening room editor, uh, and I'm reporting from the Cairo MedFest, the first Arab forum for medicine in film in Egypt, uh, January 2017. I have the pleasure here of having with me Professor Robert Abrams, a professor of old age psychiatry from Wild Cornell College in New York. How did you start your involvement with the screening room and the reading room at the Medical Humanities Journal? I had written uh, last year uh, an essay on uh, Kazuo Ishiguro's novel, Never Let Me Go, for Medical Humanities. It was published in Medical Humanities, and I think you picked it up and sent me a, a nice note. Um, Never Let Me Go, one of my colleagues said, is the saddest book ever written. And it's it's a very interesting book. It's superficially um, a science fiction story, but in this dystopic society in which human beings are cloned so that their organs can be harvested for science and medical treatment. So the rest of this society, the humans have longer lives, but the clones do not. And in my essay, I saw the life cycle of the clones through a developmental perspective in which they traverse all the stages of psychosocial development laid out by Eric Erickson, but in, of course, a very condensed time frame, since they basically die by the time they're 30 or 31 uh, at the most. So therefore, they experience childhood in all its innocence, adolescence, where everything is questioned and anything is possible, to productive middle age, where they're taking care of older clones who have started to donate their organs. And then old age and senescence, where they become frail from these organ donations. It's basically the equivalent of our old age, although it happens to them in their 20s. And finally, to a confrontation with death and a search for meaning. And uh, some of the clones are able to face their ends with great courage and insight, and some are not, uh, just like the rest of us. So we can then ponder these questions on what really is a good death. It's a perennial question. And, and that's how I, got, I, I really loved that book. So it's, it's a book that, that describes, in essence, in poetically and, uh, and in great uh, prose, uh, the, uh, the life course uh, journey. And that led you to another uh, uh, book that uh, uh, you've uh, written an essay about, The Violet Hour. T tell us a bit about that as well. Um, so I, w I was asked to review The Violet Hour. Um, it, it, the full title is actually The Violet Hour, Great Writers at the End, written by Katie Royfe. It's, it, it's a central premise of The Violet Hour is that awareness of approaching death is the, a milestone that we're, we all face in some time and in some form. And that's what is referred to as The Violet Hour, that glimmer of awareness that the end is inevitable. And what uh, Katie Royfe did was describe the deaths of very eminent people, uh, including Susan Sontag, Sigmund Freud, John Updike, Dylan Thomas, Maurice Sendak. And the interesting aspect of the book for me is that you might think that these individuals who have accomplished so much in their lives ought to see the pain of anticipated death in a broader perspective and their accomplishments might enable them to articulate the experience in a way that leads to greater insight. But no, basically, death strikes with terror at, at the heart of nearly anyone and everyone, and they don't necessarily do any better. But it's not a totally grim picture. I, I love how there's one line that Katie Royfe quotes from John Updake, a poem that he wrote uh, when terminally ill that sort of gives hope. It's, uh, 
To live is good, but not to live, to be pulled down, with scarce a ripping sound, still flourishing, still stretching toward the sun, is good also. Fantastic. What a lovely quote. And, and, and that, I think, it, it carries a great uh, uh, message for, for uh, exploring those difficult times and, 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 and points in, in, in life with patients, their families, and, and as well as uh, opening up these discussions with, with uh, doctors and, and students. So we, we enjoyed your uh, contributions to the reading room so much to in Medical Humanities that we invited to you to write some film reviews. So tell us about your choices in film and, 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 and in your, the, your experience with writing for um, the screening room uh, in Medical Humanities. Well, I learned um, actually a great deal through you, uh, Khalid, that talking about or observing film characters is kind of an indirect way of talking about or observing ourselves. And so it's a an insightful experience, and therefore it can be a therapeutic event. And as a psychiatrist, that interests me greatly. And again, through you, I, I began to watch some Almodovar films, and I thought that they were perfect for caregivers. Talk to her all about my mother. Of course, these are films not just about caregiving, but about the nature and varied expressions of love itself. And I also come to think of films as a excellent teaching device. Again, some of the films that you've introduced me to in Dry Hot Summers uh, by uh, Sharif Elbendari. Which is an Egyptian film from uh, 2015. Uh, yes. We see how to communicate with elderly, ill, or dying patients. Uh, actually, how not to communicate, how to deliver painful truths, how to respect patients' autonomy uh, and choices, and also to see how patients see us. And the importance of hope and joy even in the face of terminal illness. It's its a marvelous film in just a very few minutes um, makes all these points. And that was actually uh, one of the films that we've described, but the other w ones that you've uh, eloquently uh, reviewed were films that you specifically probed deeper in the psychological characters in the film, their motivations, their behavior, crying with laughter, uh, mannequin you reviewed and before the summer crowd so to tell us about the analysis and interpretation of those characters in those films we've just mentioned tell us a bit about the films and how that deep insight that you shared with us from reviewing those films well actually let me start with some films that you uh, you didn't mention that uh, that you sent to me two films from the dubai festival a day for women by uh, kamla Abu Zakri, and it's an Egyptian film from 2016, and Withered Green by Mohammed Hamid. It, it, that's also an Egyptian film. That's an Egyptian film again from 2016. Uh, both uh, feature actresses whose nuanced range of gestures and expression help us to understand how depression really feels. Uh, American movies don't hone in on facial expressions in quite this way. And as a psychiatrist, it's of great interest. It's, it's really an analysis of how depression is manifest. It's, it's meaning to the individual, it's, it's context. And I noticed that in both films, the actress moves from a kind of stony, withdrawn kind of depression to a breakthrough of tears which uh, I think in medicine would be the equivalent of a, a crisis in pneumonia. But in Day for Women, 
the tears signal the beginning of healing, while in Withered Green, they don't. But in both films, I think the viewer has moved and changed forever, at least I was. The other films, I think, serve to break through human defensiveness. You know, it, it's the nature of human defense that we're, all of us, no matter how evolved or sophisticated, blind to ourselves to a considerable degree. And others see us clearly, we don't see ourselves. And of course, this is a barrier to insight. And what the films do is hold up a mirror to ourselves. And before summer crowds, uh, directed by the late uh, Mohammed Khan, again a film from Egypt uh, from uh, 2014. We uh, look into the lives of these well-to-do bourgeois Egyptians who summer at a summer beach colony, and the important thing is that we have a glimpse of the sadness and emptiness of their lives before, of course, they ever will. And it's a remarkable film. And then in Mannequin, directed by uh, Mina uh, El, El Nagar, who uh, I recently met at the Cairo Festival, we see how narcissistic rage and sociopathy can sort of combine to create a serial killer. And I'd like to report here or uh, to say that the film is available to watch uh, through an, uh, a link from the screening room. Your review does include the film so the audience and the listeners can actually view this film. And, and Crying with Laughter, uh, I think you mentioned that as well, uh, a, a, a wonderful film directed by Justin Malotnikov. We see how unconscious memories and guilt from childhood trauma have created out of this man, Joey, a, a self-defeating wretch. And only when he's forced to deal with his traumatic memories can his capacity for love and happiness emerge. So he's no longer uh, a self-defeating buffoon. And it's like the equivalent of a, a brief psychoanalysis, but powerful. And, and, and you, you've uh, shared this with us and all this uh, fantastic analysis and, and insight greatly in, in your reviews. I want you to, to mention now a studio, a short film, again, that's available on, uh, through watching a link uh, in the uh, screening room online. This is a film probably that's closer to, to, to your heart and mind because it deals with an older person struggling with, with social isolation and loneliness. So tell us a bit about Studio. Yes, I found this a very touching movie, and this was actually the first uh, review I wrote for the screening room. It's merely seven minutes long, but a great deal happens, and, and I, I was tremendously moved. So in this film, an old man enters a photographic studio with a very unusual request. He wants to be photoshopped into a family portrait, but the portrait he chooses is someone else's family. So the young photographer, who's this kind of cool dude, says, what is going on here? What He's very skeptical, obviously. But the old man is so persistent and simple and sincere that he's kind of won over and he's, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And eventually he, he goes along. And what you see by the end is that in a click of a mouse, he is now the patriarch of a loving family. And we don't know why he's alone. Is he estranged from his family? Have they all died? Is he widowed? Do his children, does he not have children? Do they dislike him? None of that is made clear, but he's alone. And his chief terror is loneliness, particularly at night. Everything is worse at night. And that dying alone is a terror. So he leaves happy with his prized portrait under his arms, and it, it's just a beautiful film. 
I fully agree with that. Now, that brings us to your experience at, at uh, being a, a panel member at the Cairo Met Fest in January 2017, which is the first uh, Arab forum. It's, uh, it's uh, an adaptation or a modification of the UK Met Fest, where a group of uh, medical students run uh, a film night where sh- short films exploring mental health uh, are screened, uh, followed by a discussion with the, the audience. We've adapted th- this formula to screen short films exploring mental health with a focus on dementia and caregiving. You, you've kindly uh, been one of the panel members uh, for two days, 27th, 28th of January. So tell us about your experience uh, in Cairo Medfest. Actually, I loved every single minute of it, and I was really proud to represent uh, the United States and also geriatricians, geriatric psychiatry, which is an important and growing branch of, of our field. So the second segment of the first day was really devoted to short films dealing with geriatric issues. And there were five shorts, and they were five little jewels as far as I'm concerned. Every single one really was about family relations and relationships. And the first three were specifically about caregiving, and they showed different aspects and different emotional states involved in in caregiving, which is of enormous interest to many people these days. The first was Irene, which is a, a UK film by Lindsay Goodall. And what's happening is an elderly woman needs to go to a nursing home for a week because all of her extended family and caregivers cannot be there, it so happens this week. And they also want to do that as a tryout to see how she adjusts to long-term care. But the problem is that her daughter can't convince her to do it or, or help her understand it. And she forgets everything that's told to her. She becomes stubborn and resistant. And what you see in the caregiver is mounting frustration. But actually, what I think the film shows is that It was extremely traumatic for the elderly woman with dementia, the prospect of going to a nursing home. She didn't understand why. She didn't understand how long it would be. She was going into a void. And I think uh, her daughter, although well-meaning, didn't completely grasp that. And uh, but it, But it was a, a wonderful snapshot of what must go on. And of course, and what, uh, it said depiction portrayal of what we come across uh, on a regular basis with patients and, and families making that transition and, and significant uh, decision of uh, moving to a nursing home. How do you see the future of this uh, attempt or trial of, of sharing uh, short films with students, filmmakers and, uh, and psychiatrists and psychologists? And how, how do you see the future of this? Uh, it's already been done in the UK, but this is the first time we do it in the Arab world, in, in, in Cairo. How do you see we can move this forward? I think, um, as I mentioned before, that short films are absolutely ideal for teaching. Just first for, from a, a practical point of view, they can be incorporated into rounds and daily business, where a, whereas a full feature is a, a special event and not everybody will go. And they're kind of like short stories in a way, where they have to have a powerful impact quickly. And In short stories, every word must tell. So these are, in a way, uh, cinematic 
poems, uh, visual poems, and they make a point and they make it powerfully. So they have a tremendous impact on the viewer, and I think it's just an unparalleled opportunity for students. And for doctors, and I think uh, perhaps if we share these uh, experiences with our patients and, and their families, I think there's a learning uh, experience for all of us here. Thank you very much, uh, Professor Abrams, for uh, this insightful talk. Thank you very much. Thank you.